Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And let's face it, all things going on in the media front, uh, particularly what drives our news headlines, is really our business. And we need to become better consumers of the news because, let's, you know, let's also face it, uh, I don't see, I have a lot of hope about the media becoming better at delivering it. You know, and so that just requires us to work harder. And so what I find more and more is what people do is they become uh, looking for echo chambers. They're looking for people that agree with them. Uh, they shut themselves out from other communication, and that is really creating a lot of the strife. Uh, that we see in, in our culture today. When it comes to the media, one of my all-time favorite people to talk to is a recurring guest now on The Price of Business, Jeremy Murphy, former VP, uh, Vice President at uh, CBS Media, and uh, always love having you on the program. Uh, he's the author of a book that is both hilarious uh, but also extremely important. And uh, Jeremy Murphy, welcome back uh, to the uh, show. Before we talk about our topic today, uh, which is the media treatment of the midterm elections, which, again, is, is horrific. I, I sit in shock and all the time. Uh, I would love for you to talk about your book because, frankly, it really kind of ties into the whole media problem today. Well, thank you for having me, by the way. Um, yeah, I think the book, the book is called F Off Chloe, and um, it is a humor book about uh, the clash between young and old in the workplace. And by old, I mean people who have been there for more than five minutes, and this new generation <laughs> of, you know, uh, very woke Gen Zers, and I'm not saying all of them, but I find great humor in that. And, you know, when I was writing it, I found the book becoming a little more political, because it really touches on the whole wokeism and, you know, the, the you know, people going after people for having different opinions. And I think I really touched a nerve because that's what I've heard about, uh, about my book is, you know, I'm popping some balloons um, and I'm making fun of these people, which is what we need to do. And, you know, unfortunately, um, it's, still, it's still there this kind of uh, gotcha uh, mentality that, um, you know, everybody's c calling HR if you have, you know, a different belief than they do. So, mm -hmm. um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully it's just uh, one, you know, one voice that uh, is heard. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about uh, this midterm elections. Here we are in it again. It's impossible, virtually impossible for me to watch. Uh, I, uh, I I try to find stories. Really, I, I look for content that I disagree with. I'm a right to right to center uh, personality. Um, I, I, I used to consider myself very hard right. Really, I'm almost I'm really more libertarian than anything else. I try to find nuance, uh, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I'll look at the conservative uh, views, but I also try to read things like uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post. And uh, but the actual television media is just terrific when it comes to this. You know, they're doing things in three or four minutes often and want you to walk away uh, making decisions based on it. And uh, it is so hyper-focused on how they believe you should uh, vote that uh, it, it's just utterly offensive. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a ping-pong effect right now because every time you watch, it's uh, someone else is winning. You know, uh, before um, the summer, it was, oh, no, red, red, red wave. 
And then during the summer, when Biden had a few successes, it was, you know, the blues are back. And now it's back to being a red wave. Um, you know, they, the media always gets it wrong. They always get it wrong. And yet they continue to act as if they don't. Like, they're the voice. And they're, they're looking out for you. And uh, no, you're not. You're looking out for the ratings. And, yeah. uh, and, and if they are looking out for us, they're doing it in a paternal or maternal sort of way. And I don't want yeah. my mommy or daddy telling me how to think. We don't need a nanny state, and that's what we're that's what we're becoming. Just give us the news, and we'll decide. But you know the way they selectively edit and who they choose. You know, there's the four hundred people congressmen running for election. You know, every every representative has to run um, here, and you can't just uh, cherry pick who's saying what and make a trend out of it. Right? It's it's mm-hmm. a lot more uh, complex and deeper than that. And it it, it requires you go deeper than a two-minute segment. Yeah, absolutely. It requires nuance. You can't do nuance in two or three minutes. And, you know, and, and, you know, we live in this, this, again, it's almost like a comic book type culture. Uh, The vast majority of the media uh, is elitist. I wouldn't even say it's liberal. It's more illiberal than liberal. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, uh, open-minded, and it's certainly not for the poor. You know, it's advocating in, in the context of, of being liberal uh, stuff that is really harmful to the groups that liberals have always advocated for. Uh, you know, these open borders. Well, none of these rich elites who are advocating for open borders and supporting candidates uh, for that are going to ever live in neighborhoods that are going to have uh, the people that they want in, <laughs> you know, right. and, and uh, none of them are going to be displaced uh, job-wise. Uh, but average Americans will be displaced by that. Uh, I, I often uh, have uh, Baya Unger Sargon on, on, on the show. She's with Newsweek, you know, and she's a liberal. And she, uh, is better than just about anyone I know, calls out, the media elite and says they're not liberal. They are elitist and they are disconnected from reality and uh, really don't understand what average people are dealing with. And so I think you know people don't who don't like you know, liberals who don't like Donald Trump. You know they can literally point the finger at the media elite for its arrogant talking down to uh, listeners and viewers uh, attitude is so over. Shortly in the uh, in the case of 2016, and then you know Hillary Clinton camp, uh, so overt it wasn't even subtle. That if you want to you want to figure out how Donald Trump got into the White House, you can really blame the media. Well, you know when I was starting out as a reporter, I remember trying to get a job, uh, and by the way, they were crappy salaries. I mean, I think my first salary was sixteen thousand dollars a year. Um, Trying to get a job uh, if, if you're not from certain schools is impossible. Uh, you know, I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Newhouse. I didn't go to Columbia. And I was applying for a job at a very, very small paper. And yet a lot of these uh, media organizations, they only take these people from these elite universities. Um, and so that's where you get some of the elitism. But also if you look at who owns the media, it's New York, L.A. And, right. you know, when you live there, uh, and I've lived both, 
it really shapes your perspective, and uh, y- you get in a bubble. You know, in New York, you see the other things, but you don't see, you know, that's why so many people were shocked that Trump was elected, because in New York, it's so very, uh, we live in a silo where we see what we want to see, and it's so expensive to live here that you don't, you know, uh, I don't think certain media people have ever seen, um, you know, a project or, or you know, a, a certain neighborhood. So you're absolutely right. It is a, a bunch of elites. Um, and, you know, uh, who knows how that's going to end? Like, who knows what, what the solution is to that? Yeah. And so at the very beginning, you know, and this is something I talk about a lot. I do, we do a lot of, uh, you know, stories about media. We've got, you know, Bot Younger, Sargana, and we have you on regularly, um, uh, David Dozer, Dr. David Dozer from Cal State San Diego, media professor. I like to get different perspectives you know, out there, and, uh, but, you know, all, you know, it seems like what I get from every one of you that the bottom line is, is that, you know, it comes down to the individual consumer of news to become a better consumer, because waiting for the media to do it simply is, uh, uh, you know, like Don Coyote chasing windmills. Well, you really have to, like, if you want a full balance of what happens, you kind of have to um, uh, mix. You have to take something from here, take something from there, because th- there's very few places now that will give you the full unvarnished story. Uh, everything mm-hmm. is colored. Um, you know, sometimes I'll read these stories. You know, I read one in the New York Times, and they said, and a shocking, um, and, you know, this is unheard of. And I remember circling these adjectives, and I'm like, I'll surprise. I will de- I'll decide if it's shocking. I mean, they were putting these words in that really tried to color the article. And that's the problem is some people are just, that's the only thing they're reading. So if you really want a full picture, you know, watch everything. Watch MSNBC, watch, you know, read the Wall Street Journal. They try to get, uh, you know, you have to mix and match. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I mentioned New York Times and, and the Washington Post. I also read the, uh, you know, the uh, Wall Street Journal. Um, and 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 again, all three of those, they like to yell fake news, fake news. I hear it all the time. But frankly, the news, what what they're saying factually wise, all three of them is very similar. Rarely do I see fake news. What I see is opinions I don't agree with. And who am I to declare that that's fake news? And that's part of the problem. And therefore, people just prefer to be lazy and not do their homework than have to learn to be discerning in in reading the news. Yeah, I mean, when I was studying in college, um, you know, we call that editorializing. You know, you're you're putting your your, uh, unconscious opinion or even um, your opinion in your writing. And a good Mm -hmm. editor should take that out because – leave that up to the reader to decide you, you give, you give them the facts and they'll decide what adjectives uh, is needed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, people, some, you know, media treat us like we're, you know, special needs children. And, you know, we're going to throw Cheerios at the wall if, if they don't explain it. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's sad. You really have to, uh, you, know, you really have to be conscious of this stuff. The problem is most people aren't. 
You know, they have one source of news. They don't see that their subtle opinions that they're reading. And, um, and that's how the stuff sneaks in. That's how the stuff gets dangerous because slowly uh, the stuff really gets absorbed. Yeah, and it wasn't that many decades ago. We are talking decades, not years. But it wasn't that many decades ago when there was pretty clear demarcation lines. Uh, you had uh, news. You had opinion. And it's great to read opinion. I like to read what smart people's uh, takes are, even if I don't agree with them. I just wanted to know it. I, I just want to know that they know they're conveying opinion and not pretending it's fact. Then, you know, I guess it was the late 70s, early 80s, we started seeing this phenomenon. It started in the Post and the Times, uh, the big publications, and then spread around the country of analysis, which I call yep. blurred lines. And, and they would do, they call it analysis, kind of saying, yeah, it's soft opinion. But, yeah, it's opinion. Bottom line, it's opinion. And now they don't even have that, that demarcation. Yeah, I mean, analysis belongs nowhere in a newspaper except the opinion pages. That is someone's analysis, right? Um, it's, not, uh, it's not objective. It's what someone right. thinks, and that is yep. called an opinion. And I don't understand why that stuff is seeping into uh, news coverage. And by the way, most people don't know what analysis is. I mean, they know the word, but they don't understand that this is someone's opinion. Um, yes. And so I think it goes over certain people's heads, but a lot of media hide behind that. Oh, no, no, we, we were very clear. We labeled that. Um, yeah, but most people, maybe not most, but a lot of people won't understand that. You know, they don't yeah. realize that that is kind of a code word for opinion. Yeah, analysis is a person's ass uh, assessment of a situation. Um, yeah. You know, and and what their view is, you know, and I think for some, they, the reader looks like, you know, oh, it means more depth. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> it doesn't mm -hmm. say more depth is taking place. It's saying that someone is is assessing the situation, which is really synonymous with opinion if we're intellectually honest. Uh, for me, you know, again, it's very important to. I don't think any one uh, perspective has the truth, and. and those who believe that is one of the reasons why we have so much acrimony and we see polls saying this country is on the brink of civil war. So for part of my view is to read views, including those I don't agree with, and do the work of cleaning up. What I want really about as close as I can get objective view of the news, I read Reuters. I read Reuters and Associated Press. Uh, you know, because Associated Press is a great example, Jeremy, as you well know, they've got to sell their content to Fox News and to uh, the Daily Beast and everything in between. And so they really can't afford to be, uh, you know, to have much of an agenda and still have clients. Whereas everyone else who buys every other content is looking, most are looking for an echo chamber. And so I'm a big fan of the Associated Press. It is about as close to objective as you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's absolutely true. I remember when I was in newspaper, uh, uh, I worked in newspaper, I worked the copy desk sometimes at night, and we had so many wire services. We had AP, Reuters, uh, they call it LATWAP, which was LA Times, Washington Post. Then we had uh, Night Raider. UPI. And, yeah, yeah, and so... 
one that we used for our news coverage was the AP because they were uh, – you're absolutely right. They're, they don't have time to put in opinions, and they've got to sell – that they got to sell their coverage to right and left. So um, that's true. And, you know, sometimes for television, I'll watch the BBC, um, BBC America or uh, International, because they don't don't have our perspective, so they just tell you what happened. Yeah, I I did the exact same thing. I like to see American news from European perspectives that aren't hostile, you know, and frankly most European countries can't afford to be hostile. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. the way the global economy is. But I like to get them because they tend to not have an axe to grind, where our media yeah, clearly I does. Agree. The, the majority of it does. I agree. I think, um, you know, they, they have the, the power of objectivity. And yeah. uh, that's what we need. And, and to be clear, I don't believe AP is objective because that's its philosophical commitment. I think you cannot afford to be anything but objective because of who their subscribers are. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that's a. Uh, I don't think that that that's a, a, a moral decision on their part. I think it is a, yeah. a business decision. You know, you you have to understand who's buying it, and sell uh, sell something that they want, and both yeah. sides are going to want a different uh, opinion. But if there's just the news, they'll they'll both buy it. That's right. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, I, I take advantage of the fact. I don't care if they do it for the right reasons. <laughs> the market is a pretty good reason, to be perfectly honest with you. And so I, if I feel lazy and I still want to know what's going on in the news and I don't feel like uh, bone picking, uh, which sometimes I have to do when I look at uh, uh, some of these publications, I go to the AP and I don't pretend it's perfect, but I, I do believe it has a huge incentive to do uh, to do the right thing, uh, you know, to be objective. Jeremy Murphy, he is one of my favorites. Love having you on the program. Final thoughts, we wrap it up. We went a little over, but I, I have a hard time not doing that whenever you join me. Uh, just everybody buy my book. <laughs> it's on uh, Great book. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's hilarious, but it's relevant as well. And I think we need some of that. And we certainly all need a good laugh. Man, this country is so ridiculously serious. It's like uh, we all need to take a break. And the book helps you do that while at the same time getting an important message out. Jeremy, always love having you on. I am Kevin Price. More for you after this.